Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. tell you a second ago yeah before i knew you're she uh-huh. you're marshy martian she and yeah <laughs> it works yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. um sometimes i like when you haven't thought of one yet yeah and so then my brain starts scrambling because you go i'm let me just think of a she really quick and uh-huh. then my brain just like pr- starts producing results yeah but regardless of whether they Mine fit or not oh okay so a second ago you're like let's go ahead and see what uh, and my brain was like, capiche? Capiche? <laughs> capiche? That's so Uncle Jesse. But you just have to like. Oh, hi. Um, so, is there anything else I can eat besides sandwich? <laughs> this, is, this is January and she's <laughs> never not hungry. You need food, baby? Yeah. Okay, look in the red bag and see what we brought. I'm recording right now. Okay. I love you. Her dress with her jeans. Yeah. It kills me. Um, I thought of Martian because somebody left us a voicemail I've been dying to share with you. Oh, okay. Because it was great. Or no, this was an email. Um, She said, hey, guys, it's usually <laughs> a joy and a blessing for me to listen to you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually. Not always. <laughs> This is the best email. Um, I mean, fair enough. Fair Fair enough. enough. Fair enough. It's usually a joy and a blessing for me to listen to you. There are not other instances where DiCaprio freezes in a movie, but just had to mention Matt Damon needs rescuing in a lot of movies. He needed to be rescued from space in Interstellar, The Martian, supposedly Elysium, and he's, he's needed rescuing from war danger in Saving Private Ryan, Green Zone, and Syriana. And all this saving Matt Damon efforts would cost around nine hundred billion plus dollars. That's just a fun. Wasn't he also saved by uh, Robin Williams in that movie where he was? A oh genius. yeah, Goodwill Hunting. Yes. but he was emotionally saved. Emotionally saved. She said, "Fun fact for you guys: Love you. Greetings from Mexico." And then she gave me the link to a real article in Time Magazine where they generated the cost of him. Uh huh. So here's how it broke oh. down. I have it for you right here. Okay. Okay. In Courage Under Fire, which was a Gulf War helicopter rescue movie, it would have cost three hundred thousand to save him. Saving Private Ryan, one hundred thousand. Titan AE, two hundred billion. Syriana, fifty thousand. Green Zone, fifty thousand. Elysium, one hundred million. Interstellar, five hundred billion. The Martian, two hundred billion. Which is a total of nine hundred billion plus change. That's nearly a trillion dollars spent on saving one person. Although he did give us goodwill hunting, so we suppose it's worth it. <laughs> That's what the article says. Man, in all this saving, Matt Damon. Did anybody ask? Should we be saving yeah. Matt Damon? <laughs> you know, we thought. <laughs> How does the phrase go? Of course we can save Matt Damon. <laughs> should the real we? question is, should, should we? we? <laughs> I think... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to add anything to that. <laughs> you said everything that needed to be said about that. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, which maybe I should have mentioned to you first. Well, I want to tell you guys to join Gab if you haven't. Oh, okay. Um, I really like Gab. and I haven't tried it yet, but I'll try it at your recommendation. Yeah. No, I wouldn't tell you that. I was telling these guys. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I feel like you'll join Gab when there's no other options for you. Right. And until then. And I'm not very, I'm not like, I don't have a much of a target on my back because I usually tweet about weird <laughs> things yeah. that 
aren't really that controversial. How I haven't been removed yet is beyond me. Right. I have no clue. And every time I hit posts on Facebook or Twitter, I'm like, this is it. This is the one. This is the one. <laughs> Here we go. So we'll be on Gab. We're there at gab.com slash sheologians. I had to get the sheologians right. name oh, yeah. before. Anybody else. Yeah. They, I don't know why. They and we're blue check verified. To, but... Oh, are we? On Gab. See, that means I'm on the wrong. You're on the wrong platform. Social media <laughs> I the wrong social verified. medias. <laughs> get verified. Get verified on Gab. If you're like, if you apparently, I don't know what I did, but I, I like the guy who owns it. He's kind of like watching our our crowd. Oh, okay. And so like, he just verified who you were. I think you weren't like. Yeah, he's a Christian, so I think when he sees people posting Christian things and they have enough followers and they don't say stupid yeah. stuff, he's like, "Cool, here All we right. go." Cool. So that's interesting. But anyway, people keep asking me, like, when you guys get kicked off of Facebook, where are you going to be? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I guess I should tell you all. I'm on Gab. It's gab.com yeah. slash sheologians. Yeah. I also had a very sweet listener email and say that I do not say our Patreon address very clearly. And she oh, wanted okay. to join book club, but she couldn't understand me. And I felt horrible about that. So we are at patreon.com slash sheologians and if you can't hear me i'll respond to your emails <laughs> eventually um but yeah so our our goal eventually is because of everything going on is to move away from patreon right and to build our own platform where we can't get kicked off of um, and we can run things like we can run things. And- yeah. One of the things I hate about our current setup is like when people need um, like someone didn't know how to like unsign up from Patreon and like I couldn't do that for them because I right. don't own yeah. Patreon. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, our eventual goal is to create a space where you guys can have conversations among yourselves that are uncensored, unmonitored by anyone other than me (laughs) um, or whoever is helping me run this. Uh, So that is what we are working towards. And I just wanted to tell you guys that. So if you want to support that, then definitely sign up at Patreon until we're not on Patreon anymore. Um, If you can't sign up on Patreon, go buy a t-shirt. We have a shop. It's at shopsheologians.com. All of these efforts um, over, I don't know, the next several months are going to be aimed at creating a <clears throat> a website that uh, we're not giving any money to Patreon on. Patreon can't tell us what to say. Right. And if we are eventually booted from social media, you'll still be able to have a place to go to find all of our right. content yeah. and um, all but of yeah, that that's, stuff. It's, a pl- it's basically a platform that is going to require some investment on our part. Yeah. So- <laughs> Sign on up. If that, yeah. If, it <laughs> if you want, like if you want part like of that. to support, yeah, then feel free. Yeah, and this is the time to support Christian businesses and artists. And um, me personally, I have been convicted to um, end subscriptions to different things so that I can start subscriptions to other Christians that are creating things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I, I've, I've canceled a bunch of stuff in the last several months to. Sign up for um, other Christian artists on Patreon, uh, the Canon app, which is like seven ninety nine a month. Right. Obviously, Apologia Studios is one well, we would thing, recommend. We think, of, we think of social media as free, but it's basically at the cost of all our personal information data so that they can advertise <laughs> to you. Yeah. So, yeah. So it it almost seems a little counterintuitive to be like, oh, I to pay for something. But if they don't have ads, then... Right. We don't have ads because we don't want you guys (laughs) to have to listen to ads. But yeah, that part of, you know, help us sign up on Patreon if you want to and support, support Christian stuff. This is like really the time to do that. Um, That's my personal conviction. Anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. I'm playing catch up on a month's worth of voicemails right now. I'm enjoying them greatly. Keep, keep doing it. Um, yeah. So do we have anything else before we 
I can't think of anything else mm-hmm. I need to say. I feel like I feel like there's something I'm I wanted to say and I can't remember it. You know that feeling? Uh-huh. I have that feeling real bad right now. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Whatever. I already forgot what you said versus what you didn't say. <laughs> you said Patreon. Gab. I feel like we talked at length about a few things. Okay. We've done Maybe things. A voicemail. Did you give the voicemail I gave, number? I just gave the voicemail okay, number. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought I was hearing. <laughs> I've been doing that thing today where I did I did it once with you where I'm like, did I say that out loud? Yeah. Or did I just think that a bunch of times yes. to myself? Yeah. Um, Welcome to being old, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Well, I I have wanted to circle back. I can't say circle back anymore. It's gone. It's been ruined. You can. I can? You said Martian today. <laughs> you can say circle You're saying back. I say whatever I want? <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. But Fine. should you? It's kind of like Matt Damon. But should Circle you? back is like Matt Damon. Circle back is like Matt Damon. And I went with, eh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Okay, so... We had a discussion in the fall of, I want to say 2019, but time is going in weird directions for me lately, um, about marriage and how it's normative. And we prophesied (laughs) in that episode that there would be much more to say on that. Right. And we finally feel like we're there. We're there where there's more to say on it. And I want to broach the topic with just a quick encouragement for anybody listening if this is a difficult topic, which is that um, every pastor I know personally at some point has shared the sentiment that um, soft, soft teaching makes hard hearts and hard teaching makes soft hearts. This is, if you're a pastor, if you're a parent, if you've shepherded anybody for any length of time in any capacity, you know that soft teaching makes hard hearts, and you know that hard teaching makes soft hearts. And I think because of the cultural climate we live in, that a lot of very normal biblical teaching on marriage is a hard teaching for a lot of people, like things that used to be a given and very unoffensive um, and very common sense right. um, can sometimes hit people now in a certain way that would feel like a hard teaching. And so I think it's safe to say that our desire in having a conversation like this is not that um, we would say a bunch of potentially difficult to hear things for the sake of having fun doing that but just that I don't think we live in a a world full of women with soft hearts Um, I think we're in a culture of a lot of hard hearts and so we need to step back and go well what kind of teaching and discussion have we had like why why are all these hard hearts being produced from biblical teaching like what is and I, I do think that this topic has not just gone soft but in a lot of ways gone rotten yeah so yeah I heard something this morning I saw a video of a lady that was like I don't know it doesn't have it it doesn't it's not totally to do with the topic but it just was interesting to me I didn't even watch her whole video she was just like she was like did you know that forgetfulness is linked to high intelligence (laughs) and I was just like Okay. I was like, I'm a genius. I was like, where have we come? Like, wh- how did we get here mm-hmm. to where we are? We are for, we're so focused on people just forgetting about and disregarding their shortcomings mm-hmm. to the point where, and it's not, it can't just be like, oh, well, you know, we forgave you. It, it needs to be celebrated. Like, why, mm-hmm. if I'm unorganized and forgetful, like, why does that need to be linked to hire me being smarter? Because I'm pretty sure being organized and methodical is also linked to higher intelligence. Right. <laughs> and, and I think we just, we like. We have decided we that it's a virtue. We don't want to feel anything. We don't want to feel 
bad about anything. Mm-hmm. And that's so make that everything on, good. Right. Somehow so everything must be like palatable. My forgetfulness is a sign of how and we brilliant need to, we need I am. to see people's feelings about something and we need to head it off at the pass and lie to them so yeah. that they feel better about it better yeah but it's they're not actually going to feel better in any real reading of the word because it's like when you forget something really important you're not going to be able to be like well at least i'm a genius right (laughs) i'm a a genius that does not take responsibility for a thing i do right like what i don't know anyway i just they're like i said slightly related slightly unrelated right but i think we just we we like to package things in a way that just doesn't make them hard to hear at all. Right. Because what the chronically, truly mm-hmm. forgetful person mm-hmm. needs to hear is that they need to get organized. They need to remind themselves they can't leave their kids mm-hmm. waiting 40 minutes to get picked up from co-op. They can't. Right. Like, you, if you don't pay your rent, you... Get charged an extra $75 late fee. And it's not because you're a genius. Right. It's because yeah. you forgot. Right. <laughs> you weren't it's paying you're attention. you're not managing your time well <laughs> and you're not, you're not honed in your business. Right. Um, and, and you just saying you're a genius and that's why you're so flighty and forgetful or you're my favorite most recent one is neurodivergent. I'm just so neurodivergent and ADHD and I'm just like, my brain is like a special treasure that <laughs> we just found out about. Yeah, well, and I think so. It's, when it's I'm, a if human I'm ever desire. weird or insensitive, or if I'm late or bad with money or have a drug problem, it's just my beautiful magical brain. It's my divergence. <laughs> We've come so far. We've learned so many things. Well, that namely, was, the episode's over. That I am <laughs> the very best, <laughs> and accept only the very best from myself, even if it means lying. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) did I unload a little bit too much? No, it was exactly as much. It was as much as we all needed, honestly. I'm a beautiful butterfly. Um, Well, okay. So what's the true subject? Yeah. Like what? Just give us in like a sentence. What is this episode about? So what I keep hearing from really ishy, squishy and then also not even ishy squishy, like reformed, right, solid types, mm-hmm. is I keep hearing this mantra that I told you guys years ago was going to become normal, which is marriage can't save you. And all of the idolatry of marriage talk, it's just, it has been so unblinkingly accepted without any critical thought that I am shocked (laughs) and concerned at um, how quickly this has happened. But I I mean, you know, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And I think that's what's happening in mainstream teaching on marriage is uh, we're reflecting the culture and we're doing it in Christianese. and, you know, if you just if you if you look for articles on idolatry of marriage and singleness, you are going to what you're going to get from most of the main outlets uh, of Christian writing and Christian thought is exactly what the world is saying, except with some a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in. Although even saying that made me cringe because it's not really Jesus that's being sprinkled in. You can't sprinkle in Jesus on anything. He's king or he's not. Um, And so what I find very interesting, to put it simply, before I have examples that I brought, and Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, is, you know, the Bible over and over speaks so highly of marriage. You know, the Bible in Proverbs 18 says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And a lot of this real evangelifish writing about the idolatry of marriage is like, well, he who never finds a wife finds something good and an right. even more favor. Well, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I feel like the 
when someone brings up marriage, everyone's always like, well, Paul, Paul said, Paul, <laughs> Paul said, Paul, but well, then Paul. I was really, I was really just thinking, which Thank he you. did. Thank he you. did say some things about marriage, well, namely not being married. But it, that kind of response is like, the sky is blue. Well, so is the ocean. Well, yeah. So like, so, <laughs> so what? but in Paul said that right in the middle of a bunch of other things, n- namely, like you've said, Context? It, it talks about. It ta- uh, the Bible talks about it has specific verses for marriage. It talks about like cultural aspects of weddings. It talks How about the order mar- of the family, like, the first things recorded marriage. marriage we had or the wedding at Cana's right. The like, first miracle we see Jesus Paul perform. saying that not everyone needs to get married is not. It pales in comparison by the amount of times the robust teaching, the creation order. Yes. Oh my gosh! I'm sorry I said it, but when yes, when God said okay this is good this is how it's to be to be yeah it involved a man and a woman a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh this is one of the first things god did was institute marriage right yes um so yeah we don't need to be we don't we like you can you obviously what Paul says about being single is a part of the it's in the Bible. <laughs> so we we're not saying like, ah, forget about old Paul there. But what we're, what I am saying is I think we have this we have this uh, propensity mm-hmm. to sort of mm-hmm. forget how important marriage is, even mm-hmm. to this. It's important in the Bible in every way, mm-hmm. even like literally, culturally. Um, there are metaphors <laughs> that involve uh, yeah, a bride and a groom. Yeah. Um, it is and and it is the ch- it tends to be the choice comparison made mm-hmm. between Jesus and the church. Right. So we um, I, that's just something that I've noticed that kind of goes along with uh, yeah, what you're talking about, which is people being a little bit more like. Well, you know, Paul said that it's better to be single. So I think mm-hmm. that's why we're seeing right. the gift mm-hmm. of singleness mm-hmm. so, so much. But my so, point. So, so much. My point is that <laughs> I think it's much more realistic that mm-hmm. we are being influenced. Christians are being influenced by the world. Mm-hmm. And the world is not getting married. Mm-hmm. The world is not. Um, the world doesn't view marriage in the same way. No. And they don't. Uh, and actually females specifically uh, resent their marriage duty so much mm-hmm. that they kill their children right. to escape, eschew escape it, yeah. that, that duty because mm-hmm. it is a it is a high order. Right. Um, and I think as someone who would, even though I am a married person now, I would say that I don't. I mean, it's by the grace of God that I got married because I wasn't seeing a lot of prospects. I understand what it's like to yearn over being married. But even, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if I'm real with myself, there were times when I, it's possible that, you know, I mean, and, and it, were you 29 were, or 30? I was 29. 29. Okay. So when I, um, oh, actually I think I was 28 when I got married. And then you turned 29. 29. Yeah. Really? But I was pregnant when I was 29. 29. That can't be right. I don't know. Timelining's not good for me. 2018. How old were you in 2018? I was 29. So you were 29. You were 29. Okay. okay. Yeah. We did it. We no, did the math. Right. You're right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I got pregnant and then I turned 30. Turned 30. That's right. Okay. Yep. Um, dang it. I'm sorry. I cut you no, off. No, no, no. It's totally okay. It's totally okay. What was I going to You were talking say? about how you oh, were Oh, I was going to say, even in my own, like, I can see that there were ways that I, like, not to say that it's it's all your fault if you're single chronically, um, or you want to be married and you're not. Chronically. But uh, I just, uh, or, yeah, if you want to be married and you're not, I'm not saying that's your fault, but I'm saying that there are even times when I, like, I... I was bitter towards mm-hmm. like my duty as a woman because mm-hmm. I couldn't fulfill it in the way I wanted to. Right. Which was by being right. A married you were like, mom. I want to fulfill my womanhood in marriage. So I'm angry that like, I haven't been sent a husband. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's legitimate. And yeah. I would say you clearly didn't, you clearly don't have the 
air quotes gift of singleness. Right. Uh, I would say that's not like a gift that you were given, like mm. in the context of what Paul was talking about. Like, I right. think Paul was talking about a very, a, a minority of Christians. Well, I think that's where this breaks down, right? Is that we would say it is indeed a minority. A minority. It is not yeah. normative. Right. Um, but the argument is being made because so many Christians are staying single so much longer. Yeah. I think just the like argument, the world. <laughs> right. I think the argument is being made that like, oh well, there are just lots of lots of gift of singleness going on. Right. From you know, in yeah. these last few decades. All like, those gifted singles I see that are just out working their butts off and being shipwrecked on all those missions right. they're on. Yeah. It's just blowing my right. mind. Yeah. Of course they couldn't have a right. family. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it just has more to do with the fact that it's normative now to not get married and it's normative to shirk mm-hmm. your responsibilities, um, your role in a marriage. Like it's yeah. it's also very common for men to yeah. shirk the responsibility, the role that they should be taking on as Christian men, regardless of whether or not they're married. Right. Men and it's happening with men and women. And I think the fact that, that you can, you see that happening as well, that indicates to me that we're just being influenced. Right. By the world. It's not that more singleness gifts have popped up. Right. And there's like a surplus this year or something. Right. God's calling more and more people to singleness. Right. Like, no, that's. And I think another in, indication that the church has so followed the world in this is that this conversation itself is full of so much what aboutism. Whereas 100, 200, 300 years ago in the church, it would not have been. Right. Like, it, if you had tried to explain why there would be what aboutism in a conversation about marriage being normal to somebody who lived 300 years ago, they wouldn't be able to grasp it. Right. They would be like, of course marriage is normal. It's right. what you do. Right. And it we don't live in a time when that's a given anymore. Right. And one of the if things... If you don't get married and have kids, who's going to take care of you when you get old? That's how it used to be. Right. We don't ask that question anymore. No. Someone tweeted the other day, and I thought it was brilliant, like, the best retirement plan is to have a ton of kids. And I was like, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And well, have a ton of kids, but also raise them in fear and admonition of right. the Lord yes. so that they're still going to be around right. you when you're old. Well, and I think that, you know, I think that just opens up how even for me, that is. That exposes how much I have been influenced mm-hmm. by the world as to what my role is as an adult woman, mm-hmm. woman with kids that have moved out of the house right and par- elderly parents down the street mm-hmm. like the reason why we res- feminism resents the calling of being a woman is because it's very hard and it's lifelong yes it's a hard lifelong it is such a, calling. like it is such a high yeah duty mm-hmm. it is it will require your entire life of you it will require yeah. that your entire life mm-hmm. you say not me you right not me, you, not my feelings, your feelings, right. not my feelings, what's real, yeah. you know, and it, mm-hmm. and just, and that is, that is legitimately the lie. Like if we say too many women who could be married are just gifted with singleness, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're doing a disservice. We should be encouraging people to marry is what I'm saying. I'm not saying yeah. that you're not fully actualized unless you're married of course because not. you still have a role. Um, and that yeah. you look very, it looks, it's going to look very much the same as the married woman. Um, but the point is, is that it's, we shouldn't be saying like, Oh, well, I guess more people are gifted with singleness. We should be saying, we should be encouraging people mm-hmm. to marry and how to, f- you yeah. should be teaching your kids what to look for in a spouse and right. and what's important a lot of people aren't not. aren't getting married because of the wrong priorities. Right. So it's not that we have a rash of single people, it's that we have anemic teaching on marriage and what it's for. Right. And one of the things that makes me really sad in this conversation, like legitimately sad, is that God has chosen to reveal himself to us. Uh, and the names that he gave us are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like, we know God. He has said, I am God the Father. Yeah. Jesus said, I am the Son. And we have a lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be confused right. about the three persons and the Godhead. And the way that God chose to reveal himself to us, to 
like first of all he didn't have to make himself known to us in the way that he did and right. that it's a grace from god that we can see him both in nature and through his word but one of the ways that we are to understand god is through the relationship of the three persons of the trinity and he ordered that in such a way like it's ordered in such a way that like if you don't understand what a father is if if you lose categories for a father a son for a family for like you lose so much of your understanding of god right and who he is and, and if you like when you give up the family when you give up fathers and and that that teaching and like you lose so many things and i heard someone the other day and it's been listened to thousands and thousands of times by christians you know trying to make this point about um how we shouldn't look at marriage a certain way and we shouldn't uh, of course we shouldn't idolize marriage but you know we have this really high view of marriage you can idolize marriage and not be married (laughs) you can (laughs) and you can idolize marriage and be married and be married Uh, you Um, you can definitely have idolatry issues um a big indicator of that is if is if the conversation right now that we're having is really, really hurting your feelings. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying you absolutely have idolatry issues, but um, if you're angry at a, and I mean, this is a little confrontational, sorry, (laughs) but if you're angry and Mm -hmm. like very, very rather, I guess if you think like we're your enemy right now, because we can, Mm-hmm. I have pre- plenty of friends that mm-hmm. I pray for husbands for, and you guys should do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel like we're not attempting to like meet you at your hurt or right. like where this hurts, like that's mm-hmm. not true. Yeah. Um, but just know that you can, it hurts to not, uh, to want to be married and not be married, but you can turn that and both of us and know just, that very yes, personally. Yes, yes, we do both know that very personally. Um, you can turn that into sin yeah, easily, very easily. Easily. But so this video, she's making this point. Um, you know, talking about how it's so common to idolize marriage and all this stuff, but we need to take a step back because the ultimate single person was Jesus. And what infuriated me about that statement was that Jesus has a bride. Right. Well, and that's very, the whole point. That's such a like that's such a weird humanist materialist way to read that Jesus that's that's to say as though like cuz we know that Jesus has a bride so that means the only way you can have a bride is through like like the only thing that makes you married is the act of having sex like is that the only thing that constitutes what <laughs> It was just it's so it's there's there's so many things. There's so many valid things you can exegete from the fact that Jesus didn't physically marry a woman right. while he was here. Right. There's so many valid points you can make from that. But also just but, to be clear, he didn't. He didn't. Obvi- obviously. <laughs> OK. Sometimes um, I sometimes I'm say, like, I know, how do I know? I'm like, why are you listening to us? Because I feel like you don't like what I feel like you don't. Um, just in case any of you are listening. Jesus did not get no. married. <laughs> Jesus has a bride. And the, the point, like, he came down here and became a man and and died, lived the perfect life and died for our sins and was raised three days later to rescue his bride. Right. You do not look to Jesus to have anything to say about marriage that might be less than marriage is amazing and fantastic. Mm -hmm. Like if like marriage die for it. Yeah. Marriage points to Christ and his church. That's Paul. Paul said that, that, you know, the guy with gift of singleness, Mm -hmm. Paul was like, this is the, this is a mystery. This is amazing. Like this is what Christ did for his bride. This is why like marriage points us to this eternal reality. You cannot look at Jesus's singleness and be like, well, don't idolize marriage. Jesus lived and died for his bride. And he did it to please the will of his father. You want to talk about family? You want to talk about having a high view of family and fathers and brides and mothers and 
all all like Jesus is where you look to have a high view of these things. Like it's not um, it, it was just such a weird point to make. It was a point that misses the point. For right. me, in so many it is ways, a point that lazily says, "Well, see, it's not bad to be single." But who's saying? And we're that? not, and we're not going to insult you guys. Those of you who are single, we're not going to insult you by misreading the text, right? Just so that you don't feel bad, right? Because that will be the pain of being single when you want to be married. Mm-hmm. Will be there if no one ever says anything about it, right? To you, right? Yes. That's just how it is. Yeah. It's not anyone like, but that's just, that is how, that is how we make determinations, theological determinations mm-hmm. in today's day and age is we consider, we anticipate the feelings mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. who are going to be hurt. Yep. And then we change the Bible in order to head them off at the pass yep. and make it so that they don't have to feel bad. But that is false. That's false. Mm-hmm. Um, Security and comfort. That's false comfort. Right. Um, and es- yeah, especially when it involves such a misreading of like what a- what's actually going on. Right. In the word. Anyway, I know you have more examples too. I definitely do. And I, I just think, again, that it's what <sighs> we glorify God in our singleness and in our marriages by receiving the good gifts that he's given us and being content with his sovereignty in our lives. And the practical application of that is going to involve a lot of joyful work in looking to Christ in all things. And so I think if Christians were devoted to that, to glorifying God in whatever situation he's given us and singleness can be a real it can be real suffering Mm -hmm. if suffering is so elizabeth elliott she has a pretty great definition of that includes like suffering includes wanting and not having Mm -hmm. right like that is a that is suffering like it's real but it's in it's in suffering that god does so much work on us so even in singleness if it's not a gift to you If it is a the gift of suffering to you, there is still a way that you must live like a Christian in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't I think what we're being taught is to essentially lie and try to convince people that their singleness, their wanting and not having is actually just a good, happy, great thing that they have no business being sad about. Um, and it's just as kind of dumb as, you know, someone, I, I had a friend who had a miscarriage and he, well, his wife had a miscarriage and he, he was really offended by something someone said to him, which to the extent was just like, well, you know, maybe next time, or you can have, you can try right. again. And he's like, well, you're, you're ignoring the real suffering. Right. It's true that I can try again. Right. It's true that this isn't the end of my right. life. But you're ignoring the very real well, pain. Well, yeah, it, it's not actually acknowledging what I'm actually grieving, which is the life of the right. child that I just had. Right. That, so yeah. the point is, is that when we talk about singleness, I think a lot of people just, it, it has become a balm, an easy fix to just be like, well, it's a gift. And it's like, enjoy this thing that you hate. Yeah. And I don't, that's not how the Bible deals with suffering. That's not how, and I don't think elevating singleness is a neutral thing to do. I it's it's not it's not neutral. And here's I have exhibit A. Um someone named Cutter Calloway. I hope I'm saying that right. In a book called Breaking the Marriage Idol, Reconstructing Our Cultural and Spiritual Norms. And this is from InterVarsity Press, by the way, which used to be a very trusted Christian publisher, but I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole, says the most common evangelical narratives reduce the entire meaning of the marriage relationship down to sex. Marriage is held out for the Christian as the divinely sanctioned solution to the problem of sexual frustration. 
According to this very clearly articulated message, sex is incomparable, ineffable even. So if single people can just wait until marriage, they will finally be able to engage in all the mind-blowing activity they could ever want without ever having to worry about sin or guilt or unforeseen complications. And so her point is, is that we now view marriage, like the promise is that you get married and you're just happy forever and you never want anything and you're not lonely and I read some more of this and it was just like the phrase I like to use is wherever you are there you are there you are if it's a you problem you're taking it with you right <laughs> you didn't it's going where you go your spouse activates nothing in you they don't activate that wasn't already there that yeah they don't when you kiss and say I do uh-huh. And you turn and everyone claps. Uh-huh. That wasn't the moment you became discontent. Nope. Or snob. <laughs> or gossip. Or rude. Yeah. That's not the moment you became no. that. That's the no. moment you started having it reflected back in your face. Yes. And having consequences for it. Yes. So it might it may be true that someone somewhere, some pastor you've come across, taught that once you get married... You'll never sin or be sad or guilty or lonely again. But I'm almost willing to bet that that is not really what is being taught, but that is what is being heard Mm -hmm. by people who are angry that they are still single. Yeah, because they're misinterpreting that. uh, They're misinterpreting marriage being a good and normative thing as having some shortcoming, A, um mm-hmm. or b mm-hmm. i mean really that's that's it is you you have a like you're not you're not able to be an actual person mm-hmm. um or you're not like a and i'm going to actually use the word fully actualized person mm-hmm. because the idea even in and of itself that the the only reason you listening to me right now think that you need to have it all and have all the puzzle pieces Mm -hmm. and all this stuff is because you actually have bought the new age garbage of the world that says in order to be a better human, you need to be more actualized, which means you need to have all the experiences you think you want, Mm -hmm. which means you need to learn as many languages as you think you can have and have all the experiences. So you idolizing marriage and thinking like marriage is just the upper echelon of Christianity is the same thing as the mm-hmm. idiot secular humanist that's like, if I just travel around, I'll just like be better. <laughs> that's the equivalent. I know. Um, they do believe that. <laughs> but at the same time, it is right. It's super, but it it's painful. And so it's, it, it's extra effective mm-hmm. um, to want to believe that it's good to be a single thing, a single person, because then mm-hmm. you can be simultaneously self-actualized mm-hmm. and be a whole person, even though you already were. Right. Um, but then you also don't have to feel pain. There is not a lot that people won't do. To and not I mean, humans pain. in general I know. to avoid pain. Um, mm. And so we will, we will avoid it. And, mm-hmm. but like you said, it's really a fundamental um, ignorance mm-hmm. of if you really just if you genuinely genuinely have pain because you want companionship you want someone there you yearn for kids like it's a slap in your face to just be like oh well you know like you might just be really good at being single and it's like no but I know I'm not no I'm dying I'm telling here. you I'm dying I'm telling you that I'm, I'm not. dying over here and my perceived your perceived freedom uh-huh. like your perception of my like free singleness is wrong like it's not so yeah. sometimes maybe single people who want to be married feel a little unseen mm-hmm. which for those of you um you know we're 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 tough cookies here and we're not on feeling sorry for ourselves but if you heard me say that and you're married that means you can help your single brothers yeah. and sisters feel seen yeah and and acknowledge bring their them pain in yeah, and not just hear course. that that struggle of being single and being like oh well you know but like you could go wherever you want tomorrow yeah let me tell you all the you awesome could just things. like travel tomorrow if you want it and you're like no that I don't want to <laughs> I don't like, want to I travel, travel with uh, I want to get married did you not hear that me say that part 
Also, I have a full-time job. I can't just go to Bali tomorrow because I'm single. <laughs> well, in a way, the reason I want to have this discussion is because one of the ways to go wrong with this is um, this really popular celibate lesbian author. So this is so where this conversation is going is if you're not willing to hear the hard stuff, if you're not willing to have the hard conversation in this, what you're going to do is put this plastic shiny veneer on it and find all the things wrong with marriage and reject it, right? That's what you do when you resent something and you're bitter towards it. Is you say, well, here's, you know, when you're like, my life is better without you, but you do that to marriage mm-hmm. and you do it theologically, that's... You're poisoned it's, against it. It's like yeah. it's permeated as... It's yeah. just to permeate to everything. So I was reading this author and she is celibate, which and she's a lesbian, which is hard for a lot of us to follow but what she means by this is like she's she says she's chosen the celibate life and the way that she views pretty much all evangelical teaching on sex and marriage is just that well you guys must be saying that a sexless life is no life at all like a single sexless life so she has she says that it's a part of her identity and she can't Mm -hmm not to be a lesbian, which we disagree with. Right. But she has also simultaneously decided to not engage in same sexual activity, which we would agree with. But um, she, to in order Instead to reconcile her, those pursuing her things, design. Right. We, yeah, we would, we, that's basically fundamentally it. We disagree mm-hmm. that um, she is not oriented towards the man that God orients her towards. Right. Right. Um, like she's saying, no, I'm just attracted to women. And we're saying that's not how it works. Right. So that is where our biggest fundamental disagreement right. is going to exist. In and, this. and we would say that because we would also say if someone was like, well, I'm just a liar and I don't think I can ever learn how to tell the truth. Right. We would say, well, you need to honor God and obey him just regardless right. of how you feel. And you need to stop lying and tell the truth. And I would encourage somebody who says, well, I'm not attracted to men and I never I'm only attracted to women. So that's where what I'm going to do. Right. We, I would say, well, that is sinful and that needs to be killed just like any other sin. Right. That's not to disregard how difficult mm-hmm. it is. But she has put herself in the celibate category. Yes. And so I thought this was so interesting because I'm quoting I'm going to quote from her. Art, an article she wrote here and this is her perception and I know I know the churches she grew up in they're good churches uh, this is her perception of what evangelical teaching on sex and marriage is she says put simply it teaches the following the sexual union between husband and wife reflects the union between Christ and the church as such it's not just a physical experience It's a spiritual experience. Christ uniting himself to the church is the ultimate culmination and expression of God's love on earth. Therefore, as a picture of Christ and his bride, the one flesh union between husband and wife must likewise be the ultimate culmination and expression of love between people. To which I would say, yes and amen. Inherently. To all of the above. The, However, the that, <laughs> no, go on, go on. Just the way that that sex was created. And bi- it's not just because we notice something biologically. It's because the Bible actually says, uses terminology indicating the intimacy yes. of sex. So when you've had, mm-hmm. when you, yeah, it just is going to yes. create. What she just said. Yes. It's yes. going to, not because of a societal construct or because we've decided no, it was how meant to define to. it. Like no, no, it was meant right, to. Yes, it's point inherent to in it. Yeah. An ultimate reality. Right. Yes and amen. Now, what she says following this is the problem. She says, anyone who's ever taken a class in formal logic could spot the fallacies in such reasoning a mile away. But when the entire culture bows down to sex, there's no reason to critically evaluate a theological approach that biblically sanctions what you already want to believe. As a result, Christians across the country, as well as those influenced by Christian culture, idolize marriage as the ultimate good of human life. Nothing compares 
to marriage. So this is so she she presents the biblical position on what marriage and sex means and what's mm-hmm. it, what it points to. Right. And she says, well, this is bad because it leads people to idolize marriage as an ultimate good. Right. And I would but say... That, that the only reason that's a problem... No, you go ahead. I'll formulate Well, I would say way. you don't have to... This doesn't make you an idol. This doesn't make you idolize marriage. Mm-hmm. If you choose to idolize marriage, that's a sin unrelated to anything that God biblically sanctioned. Right. Number one. That also someone else is making you idolize marriage. <laughs> no one's making you Society do that. Society is making you do that. And it is. Are you not responsible for that sin? It is huh. not the ultimate good you can do, but it is a good of human life that God properly ordered and designed our lives well, and see, that's around. Where, the only reason you have a problem with that is what I was just talking about. It has to do with whether you believe that we are people through and through from the moment we're conceived mm-hmm. or if you think you become actualized. Yep. That is the pure difference. Yep. Well, she brings up Hume and the self-actualization and she argues in the same article that I'm reading from that it's it's these it's trying to be self-actualized that makes people pursue marriage in this way. And maybe some people believe that lie, but that's not that's a lie not, from the Bible. Right. Yeah, no. That's not a lie from anything you read yeah. in the Bible. That's a lie. Just because you found some Christians in America doing something does not mean that that's what historical Christians. <laughs> oh, wow. No, no. So I also thought it was super. There's a lot that could be said about all of that. But I'm I'm presenting that because I, I want you guys as an audience to start spotting these things in the wild because it is out there and it is only going to continue to grow. And as Christians, more than ever in this culture, we need to understand what marriage is for, why it is good, why we should pursue it. We need to be teaching it to our kids um, because if we're not, we're going to be doing them a great disservice. And and it, and it there are both theological, spiritual, and practical reasons for that. Joy already brought up, you know, the fact that when you're old, if you don't have kids, who's going to take care of you? Hopefully your church. Um, but it's the church as a last resort. We are commanded to take care of our family members. We're commanded to do all of that. That is something that we should be looking forward to and planning uh, on doing it should be a given that right. we're going to take care and it's it's assumed if it's humanly possible and we're yeah it's assumed gonna, in scripture listen to uh nancy wilson just did a feminine yeah. on it just and listen to her awesome. every week though yeah yeah <laughs> but obviously so i appreciated what she said one of the things she said in it about taking care of your family was that wherever humanly possible because we live in a world that is very that hasn't thought like that for a very long time yeah so we live in different states from our family you know like yeah. in some cases it's a little bit broken still mm-hmm. you know but yeah uh, the if we're not talking to you, we're not talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, we should want to take care of. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are many, many valuable, but we, we, there are so many valuable practical things about the family. Yeah. And there are obviously so many. That God designed. The family and designed. Yeah. He intended. And we are, we're rewriting it. Yeah. To so make that it, it doesn't fit. have to be important so that people don't have to have. So that our feelings don't have to be right. hurt because we're, it's not going how right. we think that it should. Right. And, and, and again, like I said, it's not, if you're single and want to be married, it's not your fault, but just know that those types of things that will affect you, that will affect Mm -hmm. how you idolize marriage, that will affect sin Mm -hmm. in your life. Um, Mm -hmm. It can't, you can't have anything like that. Just, Mm -hmm. and there should be no, there doesn't, there doesn't need to be jealousy over the experience Mm -hmm. of marriage. Mm Mm-hmm. Because uh, jealousy is going to be a sin, mm-hmm. no matter what. Even if you just really want it really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, there, so there's no jealousy because there's no actualization. There's nothing. Nothing gets initiated. You're. There's nothing. There's no value difference between mm-hmm. married and single people. Mm-hmm. That's the mistake that is leading us to make weird concessions like this like mm-hmm. oh well wait a minute but this is a problem in the church single people feel less valuable so we need to tell them that they're valuable right um but we're overcorrecting mm-hmm. and we're not saying that marriage is important anymore mm-hmm. um and it, and mm-hmm. people are uh, men and women are uh 
they're leaving their role mm-hmm. to this to the side right and yeah maybe you and in some way like resenting we're encouraging people who are resenting their role in some way whether mm-hmm. it's that they have they don't have something that they want um yeah. or they're intentionally not getting married because they want to be free mm-hmm. you know whatever that looks like whatever that means right <laughs> Ultimately, (laughs) marriage and singleness cannot give you freedom. (laughs) No. If you orient anything towards the cross, it changes the focus of that thing. And so the goal of marriage isn't marriage, meaning that marriage has a goal outside of itself. And that's not to say marriage provides many, many things. I mean, comfort, companionship, children, intimacy, financial help. And it is normative. And that's. Those are those are yeah. good things, yeah. and they're they're really good things that God designed to happen to be given to us within marriage that we would be foolish to minim- minimize or ignore. But they aren't the only goal. Like you're not just married so that you don't have to feel lonely, um, or you're not just married so that you have financial help. Like God chose marriage to illustrate to all of humanity what his love looks like for the church. So marriage, that makes marriage a big deal. And marriage is normative because we've read the book of Genesis. And so a lot of people now, the mantra that I'm hearing that I that we're really trying to respond to is marriage can't save you, marriage can't save you. And it's just not true. Now, if you're saying marriage can't save your soul, and from eternal damnation for your sin. Sure, that's true. I don't know anybody who is arguing that marriage saves your soul from eternal damnation, but okay, if you want to make that argument against something no one's saying, fine. I'm talking to people who have a saving faith in Jesus Christ, who are on their way to heaven, and I want you to know that marriage can save you from a lot of things. Okay? Um. It can, and and the Bible tells us some of them. Paul tells us it will save us from sexual sin. A lot of what these celibate gay Christian movement is telling us is it can't save you from sexual sin. And everybody who's ever gotten married and ha- and still struggle with sexual sin is, is trying to argue with Paul about it right now. Paul tells you it is better to get married than to burn with lust. Mm-hmm. Period. End of story. Don't argue with Paul. It is. Mm-hmm. Um. It can it's it protects you from, uh, you know, there's that passage in Ecclesiastes. I think I wrote it down, actually, before I Ecclesiastes four, nine through twelve. Two are better than one. There's a whole passage on all of the things that you are protected from in marriage. You're protected from many lonelinesses. And yes, you can be lonely inside of a marriage. But talk to a lonely single person and tell me they're not missing out on something. You can be fa- you can be saved from financial problems through sanctification of being married. You can be saved from so much selfishness and self-oriented. Right. <laughs> um, you can be saved, hopefully, maybe, possibly, from the pain of childlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can promise you that marriage will expose your sin like an exposed nerve. I mean, it will really show you things that you had not seen in yourself before because of the close proximity of another sinner. Like Mm -hmm. this other sinner in proximity, it's like holding up a mirror that you never would have held Mm -hmm. up to yourself. And the most sanctified man on this sometimes planet. Sometimes the mirror comes out mid-sentence. <laughs> sometimes You're it like does. saying something and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh my gosh, I know why I'm saying this and I know what it means and I'm uh, wrong and <laughs> If you think of the most sanctified person on the planet, he's not someone living on an island that never has to deal with anybody else. Right. That's not how God, God designed us to live in community. He designed us to leave and cleave, and that is the rule, not the exception. And the thing is, is that you don't get to be angry with God if he has seen fit to make you the exception and not the rule. And also, yeah, I mean, I guess this is just an encouragement because this this group of people that we're talking to, in a way, 
or we're referring to in a way is just near and dear um, to my heart. You just, you don't know the things of God. Mm-hmm. You don't know what God has planned. And there are some people that are in a situation that are like, well, I know <laughs> that because I'm 54, I will not be having any children. You know, so I'm not saying we can't well, you, know. You might have spiritual children. And I'm saying we might, you, just you might not know everything. We, we might, know. we might know some things. Mm-hmm. We don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And so to say like, to be like, oh, well, I know the things of God because duh, duh, biologically I can't have children anymore. So now I know that I can't have that thing that I really wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't tell yourself that. Right. Don't tell yourself that for years. Right. You may have already been telling it to yourself for yeah. years. Stop telling yourself that for years. Did, don't. <laughs> did you say 54? Yeah, I just threw out an. Okay, well, that's hilarious. Actually, (laughs) because I have an encouragement for anybody married, single, who's struggling with any of the things we've tangentially touched on. And I think that Isaiah 54 (laughs) is like the most comfort to all of us in that. Um, And I wrote I just wanted to make sure you guys just read Isaiah 54 um, because it works if you're lonely in your marriage, childless in your marriage, sad in your singleness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a promise of God to restore and I'm not going to, I'm not going to read you all of Isaiah 54. It's kind of long. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really encouraging. It says, sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. That basically throws out the entire argument. It it throws out the thing you read a second ago from the article. Mm-hmm. Um, it throws out that all of it, just all of it. <laughs> It throws out her perception of it and it throws out like the incorrect, it throws out that people have been teaching, like there's no actualization. There's no, there's no like series of events that makes you a better human being because God just like took that and turned it on its head. He was like, those of you that don't. You're going to, yeah. you're going to have more in, yeah. in, in Jesus. And it keeps going. It's seriously the most encouraging. So if you are teaching chapter, that, ugh. that marriage saves your soul mm-hmm. like, or that you never get need to get married and don't even think about it because singleness is the best like you're wrong on both neither ends. one is gonna actualize you it's god like god made you he keeps a go- human being he made value you. already <laughs> and he, you have all these promises it goes on and he says fear not for you will not be ashamed be not confounded for you will not be disgraced for you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your maker is your husband and Lord of hosts is his name and the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer and God of the whole earth he is called. I mean, it just it just keeps going on and it's a promise to any right. anybody who is in the Lord who has felt the pains of widowhood, of lifelong singleness, of losing children like it addresses all of that and it's like look to god for your satisfaction mm-hmm. and don't look around and see what the world is saying about single people right because whether you're single or you're married whatever what god has said about singlehood and marriage is true regardless of how you feel about right. your current status and the best way to glorify and honor god is to live like what he has said is true and to worship him in that And so the basic, I mean, the basic teaching of Christianity through all the millennia is get married. And you know what? If, if God has not designated that person for you, then the basic message throughout all of Christianity is be content and love God. And he is your husband and not in a weird nun like way, but God is good and he is being good to you, whether you're single or whether you're married. That doesn't make 
your singleness a gift that you have to you might be a twit and that's why you're not married (laughs) i'm sorry it has nothing to do with like did you say twit yeah (laughs) you might be i was one when i was younger you know what i mean Uh uh-huh I think of myself as a generally smart person, but there I've had my moments. <laughs> just made my day. <laughs> I'm I'm leaving. Goodbye. <laughs> Do I just send you might be a twit? That's what I mean. Like you might be a twit, and that's why you're single. And God is still God, and He's still gonna sanctify you. You might um. You might not be getting God may not send your husband your way until you're forty, and that's why you're not married. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> There is no, there's no like, there's no version of singleness that makes you a better, like, I don't know what I'm trying to no, say. No, I, that was, <laughs> I feel like I should say nothing else. <laughs> I feel like I should say zero other things right now because I can't top it. That's what we do here. We top each other. You know what other. I mean? Like, if you're a twit, if yeah. you're a twit, you shouldn't say like, why oh, don't well, I have a spouse? You should just be like, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be like, well, you know, I'm just single because, you know, God gifted me this way <laughs> when God's trying to get you out of yeah. your twitness. You maybe need to grow up. I don't know. That might or, be possible. Like, it's just, it's totally, um, well, it's like you just deciding the mm-hmm. meaning and it, yeah. it's you thinking that you're more in control of the picture than you actually are. One encouragement, my final <laughs> encouragement is that as a as a Christian, you need to believe that God is doing something and you don't, you don't know the future. Right. Like you don't, you don't know why he's doing what he's doing at this moment. But I believe that one day you you very likely will, because I can look back in my own life and see, Oh, well that's why he did that. Oh, well that's why that painful thing happened. Mm. And as you get older, the more and more you can look back and see, how things that you necessarily didn't think were blessings were blessings, right. even though you didn't see that in the moment. Right. Um, just because you can't, just because you're not all knowing, does it mean you yeah. get to assign a meaning to something that God has right. specifically not said that? And praise God for his faithfulness and all of it. Right. Um. So let's all start talking about marriage the way that the Bible does. Which is and dr- singleness the way the and Bible singleness does. the way that the Bible does, which is drastically different than what the world is going to tell you about either of those things. Um, it's extremely different, and you should sound extremely different right. on this topic yes. than the world. And if you don't, then that's something you need to question yeah. and think about. Yeah, the issue of family is pretty said and done. They're not secretive about that attack anymore. So yeah. if you sound a lot like them, that's yeah. kind of yes an issue. Anyway. Well, before you leave us a voicemail, please remember two things can be true at the same time. <laughs> we love you guys. Hard teaching makes soft hearts. Soft teaching makes hard hearts. You can leave us a voicemail at 470 <laughs> Don't be a twit is our next t-shirt. <laughs> Grab some of our t-shirts now at shopsheologians.com. Join us at patreon.com slash sheologians. Help us create our own space before uh, we can't anymore. And eventually we'll be kicked off Facebook. So see you over at Gab. That's all I have <laughs> for this week. And we will see you guys next week. See ya.